Hello, you are listening to On The Topic, and this week I'm grabbing my DeLorean and I'm going back to the 23rd of January 2019. I'm Dan. And apparently I go need to go and speak to someone about my troubled uh, childhood watching 18 rated films uh, as a 10 year old. I'm Alex, and well, this week we are doing another Vault episode, aren't we Dan? We are. And we are going back into the um, the catalogue, back catalogue, the weekly roundup days to bring forward one of our one of our most popular, I guess, episodes. It's got mm. quite a, a nice um, rating, plenty of downloads and streams, um, and it's your favourite films, Volume One. Yeah, really good episode. Lots of fun, actually. So much so that we've had so many spin-offs from this episode as well. We did favourite nineties films, yep. favourite noughties favourite films of the last decade and of course we've had all the other spin-off episodes as well yeah we've had um, favourite children's TV shows we've had loads so yeah it's it's a really good episode I, I, we will we listened to it yeah. in readiness for this uh, this drop and I really enjoyed it it's um, quite fascinating fascinating to see how far we've come as podcasters as well yeah although I must say I had a it sounds like I had a lot of fun putting it together. I know I, I did in terms of getting, you know, the different clips, but there's some really cool kind of um, sound bites in there. And yeah, uh, I think we're covered from copyright. We'll see what YouTube says when we load that on in a couple of months' time. But um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, we've we've obviously matured and, and, and come a long way, but it's it's still it's still a really good episode. I really enjoyed listening mm. to it. It's been nearly five years. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? Madness. We're not far off from uh, from doing our birthday episode. No. But um, yeah, this this one. I mean, we're not going to obviously talk too much about it because hopefully you'll listen. You'll continue in a couple of minutes' time to to go on to listen to the original. But um, when was it again, Dan? The, the date? Do you remember? It was the twenty third of January, twenty nineteen. Crikey! There you go, listener. He's always got the the facts and figures. Mm. Um, and we cover. Was it three films? favourites each isn't it yeah so we did three each and then we got quite a lot of listener yeah. interaction on this one it's a really good discussion um, and uh, I, I think I reflected that um, m- most of my films actually weren't age appropriate um, but hey it was a different time in the 90s uh, and, I, and I make no apologies and they're still they're, they're still my favourite films Dan like mm. they haven't changed which I'm not sure if I'm expecting them to but you know since I guess COVID and people looking for that sense of comfort, I think it's still true back in 2019, even more so is now that I don't really yearn too much for the new stuff. Mm. I, I need that that comfort and that security of the familiar. So I still go and put on, you know, X film Y. I won't spoil it. X film Y film because mm. I'll know it frame by frame, script by script. But I still enjoy watching it, and that's really what we're talking about here, listener. Is they are our favourite, not because it has a particular great scene or a fantastic line. All those are, are valid, but you can watch it time and time again and not become bored. Mm. And um, you know, I think the true test is, and we talked about this before on on the pod, Dan. That for me, when I know I'm truly engaged, when I don't head for that device, yeah. I don't get distracted, I don't get broken in my concentration. And that invariably happens with films that are my favourite films I've seen a hundred times before, not the new ones. That's really odd. Yeah, you know that it's, makes sense. It's it's so strange, but that's that's for me is is the true test of why that is my favourite film because it still captures 
my attention. Mm. Something else we've talked about in the past as well. These are the sorts of films that I would pick up when I'm ill. You know, there's yeah. that comfort, isn't it? Disaster uh, films. That's a great yes, episode too. Yeah, uh, especially when um, hangovers. Yeah. So that's a good episode to dive into. <clears throat> it is. But I think one of our listeners actually told us um, on one of our episodes that, you know, if you're trying to dive into something new and you're feeling a bit ill, it's like that. there's like an anxiety level. Mm. You can't quite sort of dial into that film no. where something like this where you're familiar with it and you know you've seen it a million times you don't pick up your phone it's just comfort it is and that's all we'll talk about listeners so um if nothing else sit back and relax and enjoy some comfort because we all talk about our favorites as dan said some of the well some of yours and look we'll no doubt we haven't done a volume two have we no so we're probably well overdue so look there's plenty of time to get in contact and share um you know, your your favourite films are getting on the conversation and we'll have the contact details in the episode description below. Um, but otherwise, I guess this is another stellar episode from the uh, the weekly roundup days. Yeah. Enjoy. And dive in. Hello, Razzlers, and welcome to another episode of the Weekly Roundup with, well, I'm Alex. And I'm Dan. And this week we are very excited for you to join us on um, the most, well, our most favourite all-time films, um, because this is a long time coming. We've talked about this, I think, for some time. It's been um, a couple of months on our social media, and we've always been trying to put the feelers out there to get your reaction and we've had quite a good response on this one as well we certainly have um to the point where i think the 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 latter half of this episode is going to be all about you so um you know we've we've always said your your podcast your views yeah absolutely um, and it certainly is so um i guess i'll kick us off dan in terms of well first of all when i when i talk about my most favorite films of all time you would naturally think that in my top three that we're going to talk about today is going to be full of Marvel films. Yep. But they're not. Oh, okay. And the reason being is, the reason why I've chosen these particular films is because it's it's a mix between any film that I'll, I'll, I could happily put on now and watch all the way through, really, without grabbing my phone and flicking through. I'm sure you do it, listener, um, from time to time, you know. You know what the scene's coming up, so you can you know, phase out, pick up your your phone, have a. I mean, it's terrible, isn't it, of, of 2018, 2019, modern day, where you know you do phase out and not concentrate on what you're watching, but we all do it, no doubt. Um, uh, so the films that I've chosen are the kind of films I wouldn't do that. Yeah. You know, I've seen it hundreds of times, but it still captures my attention. Yeah. I still love it. And then the other part for me, the reason why I've chosen these films is because they're so nostalgic. Um, or perhaps you know they are different from you know from the churn that that comes out in the cinema these days. So um, I guess I'm coming at it very much from a being an 80s, 90s child. Um, but make it absolutely clear, none of my top three feature Marvel film. Mine only features one. Okay. However, there is a big reason behind that, and uh, we'll get to that shortly. Okay. So perhaps if I kick us off, um, my and this this isn't necessarily rank order, but I would suggest this is probably actually my number one is uh, the 1988 classic Die Hard I watched this before Christmas so um, my other half had homework set for her so she had an operation just before Christmas and one of her colleagues said when you go home 
and you're recovering, you need to watch Die Hard because my other half had never seen it before. And it's a Christmas film. Absolutely. Although there's some controversy on the internet about actually whether it, it really is. But for me, if it features a Christmas tree, it's snowing and it's set around Christmas. Guess what? It's a it's Christmas, Christmas film. So anyway, yes. So she, she had some homework to do. So we, uh, I downloaded it and we watched it together. And she also agreed it's a Christmas film. Amazing. Yeah. So why is this one of your favourites? Yeah, well, I mean, it's... For me, it, it was my first early introduction to the silver screen. Uh, I I should probably say early doors. I think it's definitely a 15, if not an 18, when it was first released in 88. Um, and if you do your maths, if I'm talking, you know, I was an 80s, 90s child, I definitely wasn't of age to, to watch this film. <laughs> <clears throat> but hey... Uh, parental guidance and everything um, this was one of my my most favourite films as I was growing up as a wee nipper you know age 10 um, he says rather nervously um, and it's because it's it gives you the feeling of a have a go hero and what I mean by that is so if you haven't seen the film I mean I'm not going to say the spoiler alerts because you know <laughs> you've had <laughs> nearly 30 years to um to, to, to watch this um, an NYPD officer so based in uh, in America New York um, attempts to save his wife after several of um, her and her colleagues are taken hostage in a um, a large um, skyscraper yeah. at a Christmas party um, the building's on lockdown he goes along with his wife as a plus one um, some terrorists take control in the bid to steal some money from this this large corporation and of course, he reluctantly, it must I must add, um, has to to take on terrorists directly, um, and that's why I say it's have a go hero because he's um, it's he's very reluctant to, to 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 take them on. He's he's off the clock. He, he sees this as a, a massive inconvenience. Of course, it would be. You want to enjoy yourself at a Christmas party. Um, you do not want to be shooting terrorists. Um, and it's it's played by Bruce Willis. And for me, Bruce Willis at that time and still probably is is one of the most quintessential action heroes um, of Hollywood yeah totally agree him or Arnold Schwarzenegger them for me are, are the, the, the original action heroes so you put that all together and for me you have one of the most memorable action films to date and nothing for me compares to what's come out in cinemas probably in the last 10-15 years um, gets close to this absolute classic Alan Rickman great makes a great villain as well. Yeah, and I think that's that's also for me why this is such a good film because yes, you have Bruce Willis who is charismatic. He's grumpy. He he really is reluctant, not because he's scared, but because he just can't be bothered to to waste his time with these um, these individuals. Um, but the ch- charisma that Bruce Willis has, um, John McClane, the character with Hans Gruber. Who, um, yeah, is uh, is played by Anna Rickman is is phenomenal, and there's there's this edgy, gritty kind of banter between the two. I'm very sorry, Hans. I didn't get that message. Maybe you should have put it on the bulletin board. But I figured since I waxed Tony and Marco and his friend here, I figured you and Carl and Franco might be a little lonely, so I wanted to give you a call. How does he know so much about this? This is very kind of you. As you are our mysterious party crash. You are most troublesome. For a security guard? 
Sorry, Hans, wrong guess. Would you like to go for double jeopardy where the scores can really change? Um, and of course it's edgy because people are held hostage. And John McClane is running around shooting um, Hans Gruber's uh, colleagues. And he's, he's not happy about it. Hans Gruber delivers one of my favourite lines in this film as well. Um, so he's just killed the owner of this business of where they are. And he just says it. He won't be joining us for the rest of his life you expect it almost expect him to say he won't be joining us for the rest of the evening but no he says this he won't be joining us for the rest of his life and I guess to to that point there's a number of scenes that probably if you haven't even seen the film you would have perhaps seen you know uh, clips of there's just so many different times where it gets me right in the feels I just yeah I get I get goosebumps um, I mean there's a one particular scene where there's glass everywhere um, there's a particular um, exchange of gunfire and John McClane survives it takes out all of the baddies and he's on on the, the walkie talkie to uh, a policeman who is outside he's got a bromance with uh, a Sergeant Al Powell played by Reginald Fell Johnson um, and he's talking about you know how he's survived and how he's taking out the bad guys and as he's doing it he's plucking out glass out of his feet and there's his blood everywhere it's it's so cringy but it just it just goes to show just how hard this cat he's almost like I wouldn't go as far as to say he's a Chuck Norris Chuck Norris is still um, you know in he is made out of titanium he's god tier action man but Bruce Willis John McClane is a close second um there's another one where he ends up throwing a fire hydrant off the top of the roof and then using that as a swing to, to, to get off the roof into then uh, a glass panel underneath and obviously bloodied feet oh. as he's smashing against the glass panel to smash into the, to the office. There's just blood-stained <laughs> feet marks on the window, which is pretty grim. Um, Hans Gruber, um, he... There's a he meets his his maker at the very end. Um, John McClane, I think he tries to save him. He's he's got his arm down. He's grabbed him by the arm, and Hans Gruber's hanging off outside of the uh, of the skyscraper. And then he's he's then let go, and you just see Alan Rickman slowly falling yeah. to his death. And then an interesting tidbit for you, actually, Dan. Do you know how they got almost a seemingly genuine look of fear and shock in Alan Rickman's face as he's dropped? Seemingly, obviously, it's not from that height. It's going to be green screen, but from from that from that scene. Do you know what I don't? Apparently, what the director said was, "Right, Alan, when you're ready, we're going to drop you. So make sure you know you're ready for when we do it." And he said that we're going to do it on the count of three. And he said, one, two, dropped him. Oh, so Alan Rickman was expecting a three, brutal, and he genuinely shit himself because <laughs> he was dropped on two. So, um, yeah, if if you ever want to scare someone, set them up for a one, two, three count, and then drop them or do something on two. Um, and uh, I mean, for me, if that wasn't enough, um, you know, there is plenty more reason as to why that's one of my favourite films. I could talk all time on it, but I won't. Um, but I mean there are four other or three other Die Hard films Die Hard 2 which was made I think two years later um, quite good uh, but it's it's all set in an airport I won't go into too much detail on that one um, third one is with Samuel L. Jackson who we are fans here of the, uh, the weekly roundup um, that one's very good um, again it follows on from the storyline of the film we're talking about where Hans Gruber's uh, I think it was cousin 
yep. uh, enacts his revenge on the city of New York and John McClane specifically. So that's a stronger sequel. And then you've got um, Die Hard 4.0, which we should just probably forget ever existed. Tell a lie, there's another one after that um, where he his son is in Russia and he got, he's got to go to Russia to uh, break his son out. But that one's the weakest of them all. They are doing another one. So that um, makes it six. And it's called, I think it's called um, John McClane or something very, very simple. Um, but there's no kind of synopsis that's been released just yet. And I don't think they've started principles photography. So um, if anything, what's the first one? If you haven't already seen it, and probably the third one. You can get away one and three and forget everything else. It's all filler. Um, but I think I'm starting pretty, you know, pretty strong here, Dan, on my, on my, my films. But how about, what's, what's your first one? So mine's based around a bit of nostalgia. So my dad made me watch this when I was about six or seven years old. And this is one of those films that just appears on TV all the time. And like you say with Die Hard, if it's on, it catches your attention. Yeah, yeah. You'll naturally watch it. And it's something you won't get bored of. But I absolutely adore the trilogy. But I can start off with the first film, uh, which is the sci-fi classic from 1985... Back to the Future. Ah, absolutely love this film. Yeah. Um, so you've got Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly and Christopher Lloyd as Doctor Emmett Brown. Yep. So naturally, this is set in 1985, um, where Doctor Emmett Brown's modified a DeLorean. So you'll be familiar with the phrases like flux capacitor and <laughs> yeah. such. Um, <clears throat> and 88 miles an hour is it? 88 miles per hour. Yeah. Why not faster? Who knows. Mm. I've gone 88 miles per hour and I certainly haven't travelled back or forward in time. How disappointing. I'm disappointed. But but have you checked your flux capacitor? Is that that working correctly? No, probably not. Mm, Shame. Um, So it sort of sets you off in a a car park where they're about to conduct these experiments. So they send the dog forward in time by about a minute and that works. And then you get some terrorists that come and... These pesky terrorists, they're always here to spoil the party, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. But the, the funny thing is these terrorists only pop up once and that's it. Oh. Um, but they shoot Emmett Brown and then you've got Mike McFly's like, oh my God, I need to escape. What am I going to do? He climbs into the DeLorean, ladies and gentlemen. and Puts his foot down. Puts his foot down, hits 88 miles per hour and ends up in 1955. Oops. Yeah, so in 1955, he ends up meeting younger versions of his parents. So, of course, you've probably done something wrong and you've made your mum fancy you. Oh, so there's a bit of an Oedipus complex going on here. Awkward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Gross. Um, So he has to make his parents fall in love again, otherwise he'll cease to exist. And... More dauntingly, he has to go back to 1985 to save the dock. Uh, so if that wasn't enough, all that pressure of, of being erased from time and, and your mum <clears throat> hitting on you, which is a, a bizarre concept to say out loud, um, you've got to save Doc from getting shot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, I love the sequels. Um, number three, not so much as the other two. Um, the, the second one, they go forward in time to... I can't remember what year it was now. It was in the 2000s and we've got this. I think it was 20... Is it 2015? Yeah, where they had hoverboards and flying self, cars. Self-tying Nike shoes, which they have actually made. 
um, <laughs> that it, it is a fact you can put your shoes in, uh, feet into these shoes and they automatically tighten so they've made the shoes from Back to the Future still waiting for the jacket that blows you dry though when you get wet yeah that would come yeah. in useful especially for nice. your your commute to work no doubt yeah um, hasn't really rained on me much walking to work these days but now we're Touch in winter wood. yeah um, and hoverboards they have actually started to try and create maglev technology so it's not quite um, as the film predicted but um, some of the technology there we, we, we have started to to make yeah um, prophetic absolutely love these films and if you haven't watched the trilogy please do and let us know what you think of Back to the Future but like I say this goes back to when I was six my dad made me watch them and whenever I see them now I I always watch them now I, I, it always catches my attention I have to sit there and I have to watch the adventures of Martin McFly and Emmett Brown amazing so what's next on the list yeah um, so uh, I don't know well, we talked about we have talked about James Bond before uh, more from a news perspective of the the, uh, the next um, actor who picks up the uh, the Walter PPK but for me I grew up with it sounds quite a violent upbringing um, on retrospect maybe. <laughs> maybe I need to speak to someone about this um, I grew up on the James Bond films because they were always on say um, you know Sunday afternoons um and my dad always used to tape them. I'm not sure if taping, taping surely was... Oh, the VHS. Yeah, was against copyright. But anyway, we all did it back in the 90s, and um, he used to tape them for me. And um, one of my most favourite ones was The Spy Who Loved Me. Good film. Now, it's a 1977 classic. It's the 10th Bond film in the franchise. And this one was played by Roger, uh, Sir, Sir Roger Moore, should I say. Um, and this one saw a billionaire evil genius... Um, named Carl Stromberg strong name there um, who planned to destroy the world and create a new civilization under the sea which you're thinking this this is, sounds nuts this is this is a nonsense storyline but um, it, for me it really does work um, and to the point where he teams up with a Russian agent Anya Amasova to stop Stromberg um, and I think of all of the Bond films, I think there's now, what, 26, is there? There's quite a few. Um, Dan's furiously typing, Googling as we speak. I'm going to go with 26, let's see if I'm correct. Um, but of all of the Bond films, for me, this is this is the archetypal um, James Bond film. The reason being is um, you've got the suaveness of, uh, of Sir Roger Moore, um, you know, he he just oozes charisma and sophistication of the character, which for me I think is probably one of the most um, closest depictions um, of the novels. Um, he globetrots, so he's in Egypt, he's in Italy, he's in the Bahamas, um, and you've got the megalomaniac of Stromberg. Um, you know, he he truly is insane. That they were the best Bond films as well. Most um, definitely. I mean, you've. I mean, Stromberg. People <coughs> tend to forget because only in one film. Um, he's not part of Spectre, or as we knew it before, um, Spectre in the in the in the original sixties and seventies films, uh, where you got Blofeld with his cat. That is what everyone remembers as as one of the the, the big baddies of the James Bond kind of franchise. But uh, Stromberg for me was one of the most dangerous because he's not looking to pitch different countries against each other in nuclear war 
uh, or looking to you know, corner the, the arms industry. This, this man is literally looking to decimate the earth and create a new civilization under the sea, which is absolutely nuts. But that's not the only reason why I like the film. Um, it's got some fantastic scenes. Um, I mean, for instance, in this this submergible base, so it can come out of water and then submerge under underwater. Um, that John Burke has, he's got a particular quaint way of um, getting rid of those who perhaps he uh, he needs to make disappear. Do you have you seen the film? Do you remember how he? perhaps um, dispatches his enemies I haven't seen this film for a while but I do own all the Bond films okay bit so of homework go home and I'll do this as homework bit um, of homework for you there Dan I've furiously tapped away on my phone oh, yes. to Google you weren't far off it was 24 ah, films close enough close but no cigar no cigar um, so Stromberg actually um, dispatches his, his enemies or those who, uh, who are against him by they he has a disagreement with a particular woman I think she's She's leaking information to foreign powers. I think it's the Russians now. Um, part of his entourage, and he suspects her, and he he asks her to go and fetch something. So she goes into a lift. The doors close, and a trap door opens underneath her. She falls down a chute into a pool of sharks. Do they have lasers on their heads? They do not have lasers on their heads, but they still are sharks, and she is shark food oh no that was Austin Powers the sharks with lasers it was my bad to a point in a later scene where James Bond actually confronts um, Stromberg under the guise of someone who's interested in uh, ecological affairs um, he notes in the corner of his eye in the fish tank um, that uh, that there is a, um, a an arm that's been severed just just sat there at the bottom mm. of the fish tank which gives, it gives away that this this chap isn't perhaps your nature-loving, save-the-planets enthusiast as, uh, as he's giving out. And then we've got Jaws. Are you... I mean, I'm not talking about the, um, the shark now. Are you familiar with the character Jaws, Dan? Yeah, he's the guy with the metal teeth. Yes. I remember him from Moonraker. Yeah, which I think is tongue-in-cheek and, uh, and a follow-up to, uh, to this film. Uh, yeah, it, it was, if I remember rightly, because uh, Moonraker, they go up to space, if I remember rightly. Yeah. They've got the Moonraker lasers. They do. I, I absolutely detest that film because I think they took the franchise in a uh, in a dreadful direction. But thankfully, it was a blip in the grand scheme of things. But yes, we're first introduced to Richard Keel's most iconic role, um, and one of the most favourite scenes where he's in an Egyptian club. Um, James Bond is to to meet a contact, and uh, the contact then goes to make a phone call or something. And he's gone for quite a while. Yep, and. Um, the, the scene almost climaxes where there's a, an Egyptian dancer twirling around and it's quite a high tempo um, scene to the point where James Bond gets up with the music blaring now it's, it's at a high tempo and he suddenly finds this, 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 this contact slumped dead in, the, in this phone booth and he, he goes to, to check on him and he's got this bite mark on his neck yeah he was quite notorious for biting people's th- Throats. He's a modern vampire, so um, I mean that's that's quite uh, quite graphic for a James Bond film. Um, but Jaws, I mean he's he's really quite strong. Um, he's a tall chap, and he's got these metal teeth that can seemingly bite and kill anyone. So he's quite the um, the formidable opponent for uh, for James Bond. And this is the first first time we see Richard Keel um, as that character. Chandler. Yes, sir. 
I'm assigning you the task of recovering the microfilm copy of the tracking system. Shandor, you will go with him. Obey him. Every person who even comes into contact with that microfilm is to be eliminated. For me, it's, it's an absolute classic. I love the film. I watch it, and I do watch it time and time again. If you haven't seen it, Spy Love Me, 1977. Um, don't be put off. I think it's still, although obviously it's from a different era, a different time, it's still one of the best Bonds. Um, actually, a fun fact there, Dan, before we, we look to your next next film. Um, so Roger Moore, who obviously played the role of the MI6 agent over yep. seven films, um, tried wherever possible to avoid using guns in the scenes. Really? So next time you watch uh, a Roger Moore, James Bond film, have a look. And what you tend to do is a karate chop, yeah. or a slap, or some kind of manoeuvre that avoids shooting a gun. The reason being is, Sir Roger hates firearms. Oh, okay. Which you think, hang on a minute, Alex, you're talking nonsense. But it was well known that um, he would often speak to the director or the screenwriter and say, look, you need to be not making me fire guns because I'm against it. I don't agree with gun violence or with um, you know how liberal um, the world is in terms of getting a hold of firearms and wherever possible he um, he tried to avoid it. So have a look out because um, Sir Roger Moore I think he's a man ahead of his time. Bit, if of, only, bit of homework for me and the listeners. Yeah, if only people listen to him, you know, thirty years on. But mm. anyway, um, that's enough about me. What's what's your next one? Next up for me is another sci-fi classic, oh, and yeah. it is 1980 Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. Ah, now this is probably the most favourite of the Star Wars films of my own. I think a lot of people share that as well, Dan. Yeah, um, so again, my, my dad got me into the Star Wars films, and um, I'm going way back to probably around 1995, and my dad bought me the VHSs for my birthday and Christmas that year. Oh, was that one of the... Um the director's remastered editions from uh, yeah. from George Lucas. And still looks a bit dodgy on VHS. Um, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, timeless classic for Absolute me. Absolute classic. Um, you've got Mark Hamill, who reprises his role as Luke Skywalker. Um, Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Yep. And uh, the late Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. Um, so it's just such a dark film essentially because you always sort of see the, the downfall of the good guys and this is what makes trilogies like this so exciting and I sort of touched on this with John Wick 2 yeah. in, in a previous episode um, but it's, you start start off on the Ice Planet Hoff and you've got the AT-AT walkers coming in just blasting everything and you've got the rebels that are trying to hold them back and they have to retreat they, they go off and um Luke Skywalker ends up going to Dagobah instead and he meets Yoda to train for the ultimate battle against Darth Vader mm. and then you've got Han, Leia, Chewie etc on uh, which planet was it? with all the sort of they're in the, in the air aren't they? they're in like the sky oh Bespin that's it Bespin Cloud City yeah where they meet Lando, Lando Calrissian, Calrissian who's a bit of a dodgy geezer as it turns out and he um Sort of stabs them in the back a little bit, doesn't he? He does. He sells them down the river. Darth Vader turns up, and I think this is where it sort of leads into one of my favourite scenes, where you see Luke go there. Yep. And he takes on Darth Vader. He does. Yeah. Um, 
I think at the somewhere in the depths of the city um, they, they duel they have an out which is um, well I won't steal the, the the mic drop for you Dan you're no doubt going to re- do the big reveal it's it's so good um, so they're, they're fighting and then Luke gets sucked out the window or was it Darth that got no Darth Vader gets sucked out this window and Luke goes out to follow I believe so and uh, anyway so they carry on fighting onto this platform Darth Vader cuts Luke's hand off clean off his, his wrist is severed from his hand and his hand just goes floating off into the sky below and you get that iconic phrase I am your father And it's yeah. that really, I think, was no one saw it coming back in the day. I unfortunately, you can't get away from it. It's now sewed into our our social being. Everyone knows what Star Wars. Everyone knows that Darth Vader um, is is obviously Luke's father. So I already knew at that stage kind of what was going on. But um, it's one of the, the the biggest reveals of of movie history. And it's a, it's a shock and awe moment. You don't expect it if you're watching it for the first time, but obviously the more you watch it, I, the Sons of Time is classic and I love watching this film. Yeah. I guess one of those films that's always on ITV. Um, but for good reason, I think you're right, Dan. When you look at the first film where, you know, it, it is all, um, you know, happy days, we've blown up the Death Star, we're all going to be riding off into the sunset on our Millennium Falcon. Um, because we've won and actually this film is you haven't and on you're on the back foot you're running away and now Luke you've lost your arm yeah so what's what's next for the um, our band of intergalactic heroes I mean this comes close to Return of the Jedi for me but Empire Strikes Back always stands out because of how dark and that downfall of, of the heroes essentially yeah. but yeah um, if you haven't watched Empire Strikes Back where have you been? Where have you been for the last 30, 40 years? I mean, a lot of our listeners perhaps aren't that old, but it's still, as I say, it's part of society. It's part of our uh, our makeup, so you should really have a look and see what all this uh, pop culture is about. Yeah, absolutely. So? Yeah, my last one. So, this, you you may not have heard this actually, Dan, and a lot of my ris- this, our listeners will say, really? But... Bear with me. This is Enemy of the State. I've heard of this film. 1998, directed by Tony Scott. So this is a well-known director. Um, you know, it's got um, played by Will Smith. Yeah. So Will Smith um, is the the main um, lead on it. He plays a character called Robert Dean, who is inadvertently chased by the NSA, um, which uh, you know he has evidence which is placed upon him he's not aware of it um, uh, which incriminates the secret service and uh, political figures and so it's the government actually laying waste to Will Smith's um, life entirely turns it upside down they incriminate him um, in in various uh, crimes they are checking CCTV they are bugging his phones um, every step of the way he he is hounded and chased down. It's, it's for me. It's one of the the best political thrillers um, of the time, um, and it starred Gene Hackman 
um, as Edward Lyle, who's off the grid and reluctantly um, helps Roberts, Robert Dean, um, and um, John Wright and, and, and many more also star in that film. And it's 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 all about the, the the coming of the modern age of technology and actually just how powerful it is. Which I think, given given where things are and our data is so important these days. If you look at the Facebook scandals, yeah, um, we are willingly giving our data away, but do we know why and what it's being used for? And this film is echoes of what's to come, and it's all about how you're being tracked by CCTV and your phone's being bugged and the NSA. And let's face it, all the governments are listening to our conversations. Um, it makes you really sound like a paranoid hack. You know how many federal agents you had following you on that ferry? I don't... Who are you working for? I'm not working. Is this not... about me? Am I a target here? Do they know me? Who is they? Do they know me? I don't know what you're talking about! You're either very smart or incredibly stupid. But, um, fantastic film. Uh, and for me, one of the, the, the best... I mean, there's plenty of chase scenes. This is a thriller, right? He's trying to escape the clutches of the government. Um, but, uh, and we don't need a spoiler note for this. But at the very end, um... Robert Dean, again played by Will Smith, confronts a local gangster as part of the final side plot threads uh, and ends up in a bloody shootout in an, in an Italian restaurant. And he's cowering underneath a table. I think two rival gangs, uh, well, it's the, the gangsters and then some, some bent government bodies um, who believe that this, this gangster has what they need. Um, and Will Smith's played them off and he's cowering underneath his table he's got the tablecloth around him there's just a scene of him under the table and there's the gun flashes going off the other side of the tablecloth and the, 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 the camera's shaking and it's just so raw, gritty and violent and after he, he arises underneath the tablecloth there's just a sea of bodies and, and, and a massacre and he just scurries away after seemingly getting rid of well t killing two birds with one stone because he's got gangsters on his on his tail uh, as a side th uh, side plot thread as well as the government so um it, the scene's just phenomenal um and the film is so so good as i say it'll probably make you paranoid but all for the good reasons cause i think we need to be more aware of what what we are doing with our data and this again is ahead of its time but uh yeah a fantastic thriller if you're into a little bit of action um and perhaps a little bit of prophecy here uh, the 1998 classic Enemy in the State with Will Smith who plays a serious role there, there isn't, this isn't a comedy this isn't um, you know uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or Men in Black this is him playing a, a serious role but do check it out um, and again for me that's why this is in my top three because I can put it on all the d live long day and I think it still holds up I mean there are some obviously some, some 90s you know 2000 kind of references and and clothing styles but I think there's still messages today that hold up and for me that's that's why it's an absolute classic bit of homework for me because I don't think I've seen that film yet ah there you go so last up for me I mean this will come as no surprise to you or our listeners is 2008's Iron Man ah yes what, what started it all off uh, so you got Robert Downey Jr the godfather himself yep. as Tony Stark um, John Favreau who also directed it as Happy Hogan uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper Potts. Now, if anyone's unfamiliar with Iron Man, um, it, it, he, you've got Tony Stark, who's a billionaire industrialist and inventor. Philanthropist as well. Genius billionaire playboy philanthropist. Philanth... 
I'm not even going to try and say that <laughs> word. Um, so he's overseas testing his weapons, and he ends up getting kidnapped by some terrorists who those, wanted to build something devastating. Those darn it? terrorists again! They just Always. keep on cropping up. I mean, they're in Die Hard. They're in Back to the Future, and now they're in Iron Man. Jesus! They get around. They get around. And instead of building these um, devastating weapons for the terrorists, he builds himself a, an armor, sneaky, a suit sneaky of armor. And then he returns to America, refines that suit of armor, and combats crime and terrorism. Um, but yeah, this is the one Marvel film I can keep going back to without being bored. This is where it all began, and it just holds your attention throughout the whole film. And every time I watch it, I know what's going to happen, but I still sit there and I'm like, oh my God, this, what's going to happen? Yeah. I mean, for me, the, the soundtrack is, is so, so good, the music. I mean, it starts off with ACDC Back in Black, yeah, which is such a number to open a film on. And um, he's riding in the Humvee. I think he's in Iraq yeah. um, as he's attacked. But the, the, the music all the way through is absolutely phenomenal. Um, the screenplay is pretty good as well and the, the charisma with the characters I mean it's so on point with the original 50s, 60s comics yeah um, absolutely but made in the modern image and I think that's that's why for us at least I'm now speaking for you Dan but I think we've discussed before that's why the MCU is just so good because they are bringing these characters from the comic book world but making it meaningful to now yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, one of my favourite moments is where he's in that cave and he's building that suit of armour and then he comes out and he just takes them all out. He's got flamethrowers and he's just punching people and then he just sort of shoots off up in the air and then he crash lands in the desert somewhere and this armour's just everywhere. It's, it's formed to bits and he's... he uh, Yeah, he's, he's clambering out of a hole but, but seemingly miraculously survives because that would have been a very short film if he hadn't. Yeah. I mean, that, the, the great thing about that first piece of armour as well, the Mark I, it looks almost identical to what we saw in the comics when Iron Man made his debut. Yeah. But it's such a good film. Yeah. I absolutely love this one. Um, and, you know, as, as we know, that, was, that would spark what is a multi-billion pound um, money spinner now for, for Marvel. Well, Mar now Marvel Disney. And when we're 10 years on now and we're expecting Captain Marvel in February, March and Endgame in April and Downey Jr. still still reprising the role so uh, he's clearly having a lot of fun with it and I know that um, a lot of people love that character so um, I mean time will tell as to whether or not he still continues 10 years is a long time to dedicate your life to um, to a character of, of, of this ilk but um, he loves playing it he's always said that whether or not he could actually give that up I don't know. It essentially resurrected his career as well. And when you think he was on drugs and booze, and he was a, he's almost like a real life Tony Stark, which yeah, he's, is he's turned it around. Why so he portrays it so well is he can he can resonate with that character. Yeah, absolutely. But that's it for me. Um, so we're going to go on to the listeners. Yeah. So this is this listeners corner. So um, you've uh, you've been emphatic about this we've got quite a few um, comments um, recommendations and messages that you shared with us so um, where do you want to start then? Uh, so my other half sent me in with her top three favourite films oh, yeah. um, she said if I didn't mention these she probably would kill me oh um, so yeah I'm going to mention them so I don't 
Cats. Come to your untimely end. Yeah. Untimely end. Um, so first up for her is Emperor's New Groove. Now, I've seen this film countless of times because she loves it this much. Disney. Disney film? Yep. Uh, for me, definitely one of the more underrated ones. Um, so you've got Yzma and Kronk, who are the villains. And then you've got... I can't remember the Emperor's name, but he turns into a llama and... Is it is it based in is it in the Aztecs? Are they Aztecs? Yeah, yeah. But Yzma and Kronk are just the best villains, but they're also bad eggs. Um, but Kronk's just sort of her her goofy sidekick. Um, but yeah, it's a brilliant film. I recommend you check this one out. I think it was released in two thousand. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next up was Marilyn Monroe's How to Marry a Millionaire. Oh yeah. I've not seen this one, um, but my other half says this is one of her, this is her career topping moment in, in the film industry right and then last but least is Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman of course yes um, we we cover this off albeit briefly in um, in the last episode um, for me it's one of my most favourite DCU films ignore all the other ones I haven't seen Aquaman yet notwithstanding but um, she does an absolute marvellous job of this in World War 2 I guess um great great film I think she does it does it a fantastic justice and it's it's a perfectly put together film so yeah I, I can't understand why she might think that way I mean I, I love Wonder Woman as well and whenever I watch it I always compare it to Captain America the first Avenger yeah very sort of similar so good when she especially when she jumps out the trench and runs at these Head Germans on. with yeah, yeah. with rifles and they're just shooting her and she just takes them all out such a good film yeah it's great uh, next up we've got Jake Lane and he has mentioned Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring oh yeah again a great film absolute epic uh, Sean Bean also meets another demise in another film yeah he um, he gets uh, dispatched with arrows I seem to remember he's got like 12 arrows in his chest and he uh, meets his end at the very end of the film in a, in a wood and dies a, a very sad, lonely death. Yeah, sad times. Uh, we've also got Avengers Infinity War. Understandably. Okay, yeah, yeah. All, the, all got... the Marvel characters come together to climactic and questionable end. Oh, it's one of these films I've got to be in the mood in mood for. It's just... There's a lot going on. A lot going on. It and... is It is one of my favourites, but I'm not sure if it quite take my top three for those reasons, Dan. You know? Yeah. Um, there's lots of dialogue... It, there's lots of different side threads and you've really got to be concentrating yeah well, let's not take it away from Jake you know it, no no thank you for getting contact Jake but um, he also mentions yeah. Logan as well which again very dark um, great it's a great exit for Hugh Jackman in the, the great Fox choice. franchise yeah yeah and this uh, this sees in the future a Wolverine being one of the final um, survivors of I think the all, all the X Men, um, and he's got to save the life of a, a young. Is it an X twenty three? Yes, um, Laura. I think her name was, wasn't it? Yeah, who's uh, she's also got claws. She's a, a feral um, mutant, and he's got to try and get her. I think it's in New Mexico or something similar, and they're being chased by um, by obviously the baddies, and um, yeah, he meets his end in quite a, a graphic. Why I think isn't he is he not impaled on a on a branch of some description? He no longer has his yeah. his healing factor just doesn't work anymore. He's far too old. Um and and yeah, he he 
he bites the big one this is quite bold as well because my other half always says that I'm like a rock and I, I'm just emotionless to films like when someone dies um, but Logan was probably one of the only films I've actually drawn tears to watching that yeah, final scene um, it's, because it's a culmination of just so many years of that actor playing that that role um, and I think it's very well handled um, interesting enough they have done a, a noir version a black and white version yes uh, which I've heard it's, it's even better because it actually gives you it gives you more focus on the, the screenplay um, and the action obviously you don't see the, the spray of the blood um, it's, it's more gritty and apparently it's a better viewing experience so that's on my to-do list um, but yeah there's a, there's a black and white version which apparently is absolutely phenomenal Need to check that out myself. Actually, mm. I haven't seen it since it came out in the cinema, so uh, about to revisit that one. Uh, we've got Kyle up with oh, Eternal, yeah, Kyle. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah, Jim Carrey. Not familiar with that film. I've not seen it. Um, no, I haven't. But fun enough, a lot of people that I have come across and spoken about films with have mentioned this that it's it's a a defining film of their their consciousness mm. they, when they say what's your favourite film they do say that and it's more than a couple of people now so I, again I haven't seen it but then you know Carl's not alone and I think it's just another one to add to the to to-do list absolutely uh, Memento again a film I'm, I'm not familiar with yeah uh, and last up for Carl now I think you'll probably love this film as much as I do mm. is The Dark Knight yes very good Christian Bale um, reprising the the role as uh, as Batman, um, gritty, dark, not quite as dark as um, as you know the, the Batman films of uh, of the eighties, but this is a different take on the character. And I think when people talk about Batman, they're not talking about um, you know the, the the more recent depiction. They're talking about this trilogy and yeah. totally totally with this guy. It's they're great films and it's um, great lovable characters and, and storylines Heath Ledger as well probably portrays arguably my favourite Joker of our time as well definitely he's, he's so good um, such a shame he he passed away shortly after this film but yeah uh, wonderful film um, and a great choice absolute masterpiece and uh, next up we've got Hugo Torres from Twitter ah Hugo Thank you for getting in contact. What does Hugo say? Now, he gave us a few. Again, he gave us The Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. uh, then Raiders of the Lost Ark. All right, yeah, Harrison Ford. Another Harrison Ford film. Um, this is the third, second... Yeah, this is the second one. Is this the one where it opens up and he's running and the, the boulder's behind him? Or was that a different one? Uh, I believe it is. Um, and this is all about um, searching for the Ark of the Covenant, uh, which the Nazis... Are looking to um, to uncover and to gain the power of, so that they can ultimately um, shift the tide of the war. Um, do you do you remember how how Nazis meet their end in that film, Dan? I don't, unfortunately. I'm sure it, this film was on over Christmas as well. Yeah, and it caught. I started watching it, um, but sadly, over Christmas, listener, I was very poorly and You're a bit poorly, weren't you? a bit zonked out on paracetamols and so you could have been watching anything I could have been watching well, anything to jog your memory there's a particular scene um, where the Nazis um, open the arc the lid of the gold case is lifted 
the power of, I think it's God, um, is blasted out and all of the Nazis end up getting fried. And there's a particular scene where one of the the, 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 the main baddies, his face melts. Yes, I remember this now, yeah. Which is yeah. quite graphic, actually, for, um, for those films. Usually they're, they're slapstick um, in the true nature of Harrison Ford and his, his, his type of humour. But, yeah, they meet quite an untimely end. Um, great film, good choice, actually. Um, he also gave us 2001, um, ASO. Yep. Spaceballs. Okay. Not familiar I with I haven't film. seen that one, but... Um, Perhaps a bit of homework for us both. Most definitely. Lego Batman. Okay. Um, I saw this at the cinema when it first came out. Um, I was in Brighton at the time, and we went to the Odeon, where unfortunately it was a really cold, damp day. <laughs> and the cinema was just as cold, and I don't... Hopefully really... not just as damp. No, it wasn't damp, but because it, it was so cold, I didn't really end up enjoying the film, and okay. perhaps I need to sort of revisit it in warmer conditions. Because there's a, a Lego Batman 2, dare I say, isn't there? Yeah, I think that's due at some point, but I know there's a Lego Movie 2 due this year, yeah, yeah. Uh, where we'll see Chris Pratt reprise his role yeah. in the film. But yeah, looking forward to that one. And last but not least, he also mentions Die Hard. Classic. It's a timeless classic, isn't yeah, it? Most definitely. Um, so uh, perhaps we'll, we'll, we'll get off social media and perhaps go to our platform where we're hosted on Anchor. And um, we've got Howard who has uh, has left us a message. Let's have a little bit of a listen uh, to what Howard says. Hi guys, um, my name's Howard. Um, leaving a message for the first time. Um, like like the show, very enjoyable. Um, my favourite films, my top three favourite films are Star Wars, and I'm cheating because I'm going to put the original trilogy as one film. Um, my favourite is just very nostalgic to me. I used to watch them a lot as a child. Um, my favourite scene is probably in Return of the Jedi, the um, Sarlacc pit, the sort of battle over the Sarlacc pit. Um, it's just a just a great scene, despite the fact that the coolest character in Star Wars, Boba Fett, gets killed by a, a blind man with a stick. Um, my second favourite film is probably Gladiator um, and that's merely down to the sort of emotional impact it has and the fact that um, the soundtrack is just probably one of the greatest cinematic soundtracks of all time. So he's got two there, so Return of the Jedi in, uh, back in 1983. So we already talked about um, Empire Strikes Back, uh, this is the follow-up. Um, sees the rebellion overthrowing the might of the empire in the cinematic battle on Endor with the little cuddly um, bears. Oh, the Ewoks. The Ewoks. Yeah. Uh, we also see Darth Vader without his helmet, his eventual demise and the assumed death of the Emperor at the hands of mm. Luke. Um, and also Darth Vader who turns upon, um, you know, his, his teacher. Uh, again, it's Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, the late Carrie Fisher and Billy D. Williams and many more. Um, Gladiator, yeah, 2000 film there. Um, Russell Crowe as Maximus. Joaquin Phoenix, who of course is the new Joker. Yep. Um, plays Commodus, the evil emperor, as well as uh, Connie, Connie Wilson and Oliver Reed. Um, good films, and of course, Howard says that the soundtrack uh, for Gladiator is particularly good. Um, but what's his third film? And I'd say my uh, third favourite film of all time is probably Blade Runner. Um, again, this is mainly down to the soundtrack, I think, but the um, opening scene, um, sort of like it's set in, in the future, and the opening scene over the LA skyline is just 
an absolutely beautiful opening image of of any film and it's just got this amazing soundtrack which is very of the time but i, I still absolutely love it i think it's by vangelis um anyway guys keep up the good work um do enjoy listening to your podcasts even if you do seem to rate jurassic park fallen kingdom after listening to that review i wanted to smash my head against a wall because that is one of the worst films i've ever seen at the cinema um and and you guys seemed quite chipper about it so um yeah um very enjoyable thanks again all the best take care bye bye and um yeah blade runner so nice nice to ridley scott there is also um a sequel a more modern sequel i think it was last year um uh, but this one was harrison ford sean rung uh rutger hawa hua I uh, probably have done his name in justice, apologies, uh, and many more. Um, the film sees Detective hunting down a rogue replicant, a robot, um, which is, has more philosophical implications for our hero, Rick Deckard, played by, again, Harrison Ford. So Harrison Ford keeps on cropping up in our top threes. Mm. Um, thank you for your submission, Howard. Just for absolute clarity, I'm not sure if we were quite so chipper, as you put it, about uh, The Lost World. I think, actually, this is what we said. For me, if we had to give it a star rating, probably three out of five. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, a good it's, outing, not a bad follow-up, but not as good as the original. It's almost comfortable and safe. But I have to agree. Um, that was yeah. quite a damning assessment for Howard, wasn't it? But, you know, this is this is your views, your podcast. Uh, we're all always welcome to have other people's opinions. Um, and as we always say, you know, Please do let us know whether you, you have a differ, differing of view or opinion. Um, interesting enough, um, well, let, let's see what Howard offers at the end of his, uh, his message. I think it'd also be wise to uh, invite me onto your podcast to discuss uh, films just for absolute bants. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Well, we'll have to see um, whether we are wise, Howard, and, um, and get you on. But um, thank you very much for... Uh, for your uh, your message and if you like Howard Anchor is a fantastic way of um, of getting in touch with us and being part of the show so please um, please do sign up it literally takes five minutes it's a great platform to to play your podcast your favourite uh, channels and it's a great way to get in contact with us so please do um, you know, record your messages for us at future episodes it'll be interesting to see to see what happens if we invite guests onto the show as well to talk about what they're interested in and they can challenge us about our opinions while we're in the studio behind yeah. the mic. It, it could, I don't want to say get heated. I'm not going to offer anyone out for a fight. But that's, a, that's the second time in as many weeks that you've uh, you've talked about um, taking people on. Oh, I'm a weakling, really. A, a, new, uh, a new year, new Dan, perhaps, a more uh, fighty Dan. Mm, I do bite. Uh, so we've got a couple more. Oh, yes. Um, so Mandy, hi, Mum. <laughs> uh, she has said Forrest Gump um, absolute classic oh, yeah. Tom Hanks um, soundtracks quality as well the music is is, um, is is a great addition to the actual fantastic um, casting and screenplay as well great I haven't choice. seen the film in such a long time and I think I need to go back and watch it as well yeah. especially when he goes to Vietnam and he's in the war and he meets Lieutenant Dan it's, it's a great yeah, film timeless classic yeah um, Goodfellas. Um, that's a, some kind of mafia film. If I'm right. Uh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah yep. Goodfellas. Um, I think it's a late '80s, if not '90s, film. Um, I originally got it on a double-sided DVD. Are you aware of those? No, 
I didn't know these even existed. Neither did I. So when the film ended halfway through, I think it's about nearly three hours long, um, and it said, please turn over, I thought, what are you talking about? DVDs are not made to be turned over. You know, this isn't a tape. But sure enough, you turn it over, and it picks up where it left off. Is that long? DVDs couldn't hold the image, so they had to to, to print on both sides. So it's not like now where you can literally just cram a film onto a a disc now? No. Wow. But... Quality choice. Um, I have to agree. Mandy is one of the best um, gangster films. It's got all the the greats in there. I think Joe Pesci's in there. Um, yeah, fantastic choice. And last up was King Creole. Uh, not familiar with this one. No, uh, I'm surprised. I probably haven't watched it. If if my mum's sending this into us, especially growing up, like I say, my dad always introduced me to a lot of the films I know and love now, like Back to the Future and Star Wars. Mm. Uh, last up is Chris. Yeah, hi, Chris. And now, interestingly, this does open up a potential episode for us in the future. Oh, yeah. Um, so, first up is The Hangover. He says the first one's good, but the rest is rubbish. Mm. So, for future episodes, I think we need to talk about sequels that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Or shouldn't have happened. Um, I probably agree with him. The first one was um, a great. Um, foray into this type of humour um, there's some great charisma between those characters um, I might have to disagree to some extent because I think the second one which is uh, the first one's in Vegas yep. the second one is in, in Bangkok, Thailand I quite like the second one I do fair. just because there's um, lots of reference to small penises and, um, <laughs> and monkeys uh, which tells you my sense of humour, which is appalling. But nonetheless, I I thought the second one um, was on par with the first, but agreed the third one, unfortunately, just fell short. That was a return to Vegas, so that one definitely shouldn't have been made. Now this is a bit of a classic, and I remember seeing this one at the cinema. Uh, Robin Williams Flubber. Yes, yeah, yeah that uh, was a good film. The late mm, Robin Williams was a brilliant actor. Was that in nineteen ninety two? Flubber. Flubber. Oh, I want to say it was in the nineties. I think it might be ninety-seven or ninety-eight. Okay. Alex is furiously googling away at this one. And then last up is Vinnie Jones's Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Ah, yes. I remember this one again. I think I'm going back to sort of the late nineties with this one. Um, It's quite gritty. It is. Yeah. Based in England. Yeah. Um, Yeah quite violent um, gangster flick um, good choice my preference would be though Snatch which was the the, 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 the later film yeah um, but great choice um, yeah Flubber was 1997 so well done Dan you nailed it pointless film knowledge there listener um, I'm, f- I'm full of them really um, like I say when I'm at home and I'll say something like a random fact my other half will always question why I know it it's because I'm full of pointless knowledge but that's why we love you Dan and that's why you're on this uh, on this podcast <laughs> um, so we've had plenty of, uh, of feedback so again thank you um, for you know for listening and for reacting to our social media requests and for getting involved and you know this podcast is very much us sharing our thoughts and opinions but it's even made better when we have um so many people sending in their uh, their emails, social media, and voice messages. So please do continue to to do that because it just makes this so much more worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you ever have any news or anything you want us to share, please just let us know. Yep. And we'll throw it in this podcast. 
I'll uh, I'll put in the description below all of the ways you can contact us. But um, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course Anchor, which we'll continue to push because it's like Howard is a great way to to be part of the show. So if you want to leave us a voice message, please do get in contact and give Alex the laborious task of trying to rip that audio to put into the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Howard. Um, <laughs> but for a uh, for another week, I've been Alex. Uh, hi, I've been Dan, and we'll see you next, next week. week.